Section 50 of Ilia and the Last Essays of Ilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ilia and the Last Essays of Ilia by Charles Lamb. Read by Paul Harvey. The Child Angel, a Dream. I chanced upon the prettiest, oddest, fantastical thing of a dream the other night that you shall hear of. I had been reading The Loves of the Angels and went to bed with my head full of speculations suggested by that extraordinary legend. It had given birth to innumerable conjectures, and I remember the last waking thought which I gave expression to on my pillow was a sort of wonder what could come of it. I was suddenly transported, how or whither I could scarcely make out, but to some celestial region. It was not the real heavens, neither, not the downright Bible heaven, but a kind of fairyland heaven, about which a poor human fancy may have leave to sport and air itself, I will hope, without presumption. Methought, what wild things dreams are, I was present, if what would you imagine, at an angel's gossiping? Whence it came, or how it came, or who bid it come, or whether it came purely of its own head, neither you nor I know. But there lay, sure enough, wrapped in its little cloudy swaddling band, a child angel. Sun threads, filmy beams, ran through the celestial napery of what seemed its princely cradle. All the winged orders hovered round, watching when the newborn should open its yet closed eyes, which, when it did, first one and then the other, with the solicitude and apprehension, yet not such as, stained with fear, dimmed the expanding eyelids of mortal infants, but as if to explore its path in those its unhereditary palaces. What an inextinguishable titter that time spared not celestial visages, nor wanted there to buy seeming, oh, the inexplicable simpleness of dreams, bowl of that cheering nectar, which mortals coddle call below. Nor were wanting faces of female ministrants, stricken in years, as it might seem, so dexterous, for those heavenly attendants to counterfeit kindly similitudes of earth, to greet with terrestrial child rites the young present, which earth had made to heaven. Then were celestial harpings heard, not in full symphony as those by which the spheres are tuted, but as loudest instruments on earth speak oftentimes muffled, so to accommodate their sound the better to the weak ears of the imperfect born. And with the noise of those subdued soundings, the angelette sprang forth, fluttering its rudiments of pinions, but forthwith flagged and was recovered into the arms of those full-winged angels. And a wonder it was to see how, as years went round in heaven, a year in dreams is as a day, continually its white shoulders put forth buds of wings, but 
wanting the perfect angelic nutriment, Anon was shorn of its aspiring and fell fluttering, still caught by angel hands, forever to put forth shoots and to fall fluttering, because its birth was not of the unmixed vigor of heaven. And a name was given to the babe angel, and it was to be called Georania, because its production was of earth and heaven. And it could not taste of death by reason of its adoption into immortal palaces, but it was to know weakness and reliance and the shadow of human imbecility. And it went with a lame gait, but in its goings it exceeded all mortal children in grace and swiftness. Then pity first sprang up in angelic bosoms, and yearnings, like the human, touched them at the sight of the immortal lame one. And with pain did then first those intuitive essences, with pain and strife to their natures, not grief, put back their bright intelligences, and reduce their ethereal minds, schooling them to degrees and slower processes, so to adapt their lessons to the gradual illumination, as must needs be of the half-earth-born, and what intuitive notices they could not repel, by reason that their nature is to know all things at once, the half-heavenly novice, by the better part of its nature, aspired to receive into its understanding, so that humility and aspiration went on even pace in the instruction of the glorious amphibian. But by reason that mature humanity is too gross to breathe the air of that super subtile region, its portion was, and is, to be a child forever. And because the human part of it might not press into the heart and inwards of the palace of its adoption, those full-natured angels tended it by turns in the peerless of the palace, where were shady groves and rivulets, like the green earth from which it came. So love, with voluntary humility, waited upon the entertainment of the new adopted. And myriads of years rolled round, in dreams time was nothing, and still it kept, and is to keep, perpetual childhood, and is the tutelar genius of childhood upon earth, and still goes lame and lovely. By the banks of the river Pison is seen, lone sitting by the grave of the terrestrial Ada, whom the angel Nadir loved, a child, but not the same which I saw in heaven. A mournful hue overcasts its lineaments. Nevertheless, a correspondency is between the child by the grave and that celestial orphan whom I saw above in the dimness of the grief upon the heavenly is as a shadow or emblem of that which stains the beauty of the terrestrial. And this correspondency is not to be understood but by dreams. And in the archives of heaven I had grace to read how that once the angel Nadir, being exiled from his place for mortal passion, upspringing on the wings of parental love, such power had parental love, for a moment to suspend the else irrevocable law 
appeared for a brief instant in a station, and depositing a wondrous birth, straightway disappeared, and the palaces knew him no more. And this charge was the selfsame babe, who goeth lame and lovely, but Ada sleepeth by the river Pison. End of section 50. Recording by Paul Harvey.